Hello, uh, I'm Peter Purvis. If you don't know the name, you probably know the character I played in Doctor Who many, many years ago, which was Stephen Taylor. Uh, the original Doctor, William Hartnell, was my partner in crime, and uh, I'm looking forward to chatting to you. Welcome back to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast, and Happy New Year! Welcome to 2023. This is the podcast, of course, that explores the world of Doctor Who collecting, those who collect Doctor Who, all kinds of Doctor Who merchandise, and sometimes just Doctor Who. Uh, Brought to you in part by Forbidden Planet and Bags Unlimited Incorporated. I am Larry Van Mersbergen, your host, and I have been collecting Doctor Who for 42 years. Another year going by. And welcome to a very special 59th episode of the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. I'm glad to be back in the new year and uh, lots of things happening. Uh, I'll let you in on that in a little bit, but uh, we got a full calendar of of guests and uh, items to cover and things like that. So lots going on. Um, Of course, if you remember, I opened one of the first Doctor Who stores in Chicago that served the fans exclusively, and this was back in 1984 at a time before Amazon or or online. That didn't even exist back then. Uh, We called it Bundles from Britain. And we are mentioned in a stellar book that I recommend everybody has on their shelves. It's called Red, White, and Who, the story of Doctor Who in America. And it chronicles the, um, not completely, it's more, it's I, I call it like the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy for Doctor Who in America. There's so much information and only so much uh, space they could have in the book. So, of course, Bundles from Britain gets the mostly harmless uh, title on page 384. It just gets a mention, but not the story. And so I keep telling the story as much as I can. It's a great story. It leads to bigger and better things uh, for both myself and my former business partner. So you can find a convenient link to buy this book on the front page of our website at DoctorWhoCollectors.com. We don't get anything for it. We want that money to go to the great authors who put the time and the effort into that book. Uh, We are part of the Direction Point Doctor Who Podcast Network, and you can find some great Doctor Who podcasts at directionpoint.org. If you happen to be listening and are a Doctor Who podcaster and you're looking for a home, it's a great place to be because this network will help you reach your audience. Um, Not just your audience, but all the audiences of the member podcasts, and that's a very important thing. If you're if you're uh, if you're in a uh, monetizing situation or you just want to reach more people, be part of a network, and you can join the ranks of great podcasts such as Time Streams, which is a personal favorite of mine, uh, Police Box in a Junkyard, I love the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, Traveling the Vortex, uh, Doctor Who Literature, Time Ram, uh, so you can get a lot of those great podcasts. I've been on some of these podcasts. I'm going to be on Police Box in a Junkyard, uh, and uh, I was on Doctor Who Literature not too long ago, uh, but uh, you should take a listen. For more information, uh, point your uh, clicker or your finger on your iPad to directionpoint.org. And of course, links are very important and two great resources for all Doctor Who collectors include the free TARDIS library that you can find at timelash.com. It is absolutely 100% free of charge. Uh, keep track of your vinyls, your CDs, your Betamaxes, your Video 2000s, your Target books, your hardcover books, your BBC books, uh, other books, whatever. You can keep a want list. You can keep a uh, what I have list. You can use it as a checklist for various runs of things. It's a really nice uh, website for that. Thank you, Mr. Dan O'Malley, who keeps that up and running. Uh, If you need to do research about Doctor Who items or you want to find photos of things that are not available anywhere else, uh, then you need Howe's Transcendental Toy Box. That was a very, very um, important book that came out of ATP Publishing and Telos Publications uh, back in the day, but the books, of course, became outdated very 
very quickly, it made sense to move it to the web. And you can find that at doctorwhotoybox.co.uk. Of course, that is how, as in David J. Howe. He's a great friend of mine, uh, a wonderful resource, uh, just, a, just a great overall guy. We, we love him to death. Um, of course, if you're looking for great Doctor Who items at great prices, look no further than DoctorWhoStore.com. It's in the name. And of course, that's the, uh, the online Doctor Who store for alien entertainment, and they have what you need for your collections. You can set up free wish lists and want lists and put things out. You know, that doesn't guarantee you'll get them. If they sell, they're going to come off your wish list. But, um, you know, or visit one of the two stores you can find. Uh, there's one in uh, Lombard, Illinois, and another one in Logan Square on Milwaukee Avenue. So, you know, you've got it all covered, the city and the suburbs. Uh, you can select free pickup from the store, by the way, as an option to save you on those shipping costs. So, and while you're at the store, browse the incredible selection of Doctor Who items, as well as other science fiction items and Harry Potter items and various things. I mean, uh, that, that they just they have a lot of things. So, <laughs> definitely take a look at them. Uh, for store hours, visit AlienEntertainment.com. You can also find some wonderful items right in our website at DoctorWhoCollectors.com, where you can find items at Forbidden Planet. We have a sponsorship with Forbidden Planet. If you buy the item through us, we get a portion of that money. You pay the same price. You actually check out at Forbidden Planet, and you get this wonderful item from them, and we get a little share of that, and you can thank yourself for helping the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast pay its monthly bills, uh, especially keeping us on the virtual air, our website up and running, our Podbean subscription going. That's important. Of course, uh, don't forget our own eBay store. We have uh, four hardcover titles up there right now. We've got Ark of Infinity. We've got a Tenth Planet, um, a Face of Evil, I believe, and um, there's one more. I can't even think of it at the moment. But uh, Talons of Wang Chiang. That's right. I just thought thought of it. Um, it's a it's a. They're all. I think they're all ex-library copies, but great for the collector who wants to get started, and the prices are reasonable. Um, of course, uh, don't forget that. And of course, all money received from that benefits the podcast. Uh, in addition to our podcasts at our great website at DoctorWhoCollectors.com, we have the Complete Guide to Doctor Who Hardcovers, which is ever-expanding. We're using additional sources material um, that we can uh, expand the, uh, the, the listing a little bit to give you more information about these books. Of course, you could also tune in to our, our multi-part series on classic hardcovers that uh, I cover along with my good friend Tony Witt, who covers the story. Um, I cover the story behind the book and the collectability. So we also list reprints that some people didn't even know existed. We've had a reprint on there that's been called into question. So it's a great place to go. Um, Chicago TARDIS 2023, set for next November Thanksgiving weekend. This is the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who, uh, which is also a great part, you know, great reason why this is a great year for Doctor Who in 2023. Uh, we're going forward, and um, you can experience the best convention in the Midwest. I mean, we are not Gallifrey One, we are not L.I. Who, we are Chicago TARDIS, and it is a unique place to be. It is the place where I go. Uh, that is my my hangout. I don't get to go to the West Coast or the, or New York for that matter. Um, I'm here in the Midwest. So please visit us here in the Midwest. And if you do go, please say hello. Uh, for more information and tickets, you can go to chicagotardis.com. The tickets are now on sale. So here's what's going on uh, with me. I have been booked uh, for more events uh, as my reputation is ever increasing in the United States on Doctor Who. And some of the things that I've done at certain conventions have gotten the attention of other people from other conventions. So you can expect me, uh, I am confirmed, uh, returning to Consinity 2023. That is uh, Saturday, April 22nd from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. at Dirks Hall at the Milwaukee School of Engineering University. And uh, part of one of the runners of that is my good friend Nick Seidler, who invited me back. And um, that will be a wonderful thing. I've also been in talks uh, to be at the Twin Cities Console Room Convention in, in uh, Minnesota uh, in 2024, uh, bringing the uh, museum with me, the Doctor Who Traveling Museum. And it looks like I'll be presenting a virtual session on Doctor Who Gaming at Oricon 23. That's a convention they do in Oregon. A little far to go for the traveling museum, so um, they're happy to have me on their screens. 
And uh, it is likely, it's not confirmed yet, that I will be back at Doktoberfest in 2023. And, of course, Chicago TARDIS uh, in the in November. All right, new to the collection. Now, this has been an exciting month to, to get. Uh, I had a private sale uh, that, I, that I engaged with, and I now have one of the Dalek baby plates from 1965 by Weatherby and Sons. I did a podcast on this not long ago with my good friend Katie Haynes, and I just was able to show a picture of it. Now I have one of the plates. Uh, it's a nice addition to have. And uh, thanks to my good friend Jonathan Ruffle, I now have a non-library copy of the Santaran Experiment in hardcover. Thank you so much. I picked up about 71 Doctor Who magazines from varying times in a, in a lot uh, that was being sold, filling in some gaps here and there. I have a nice copy of Four to Doomsday in hardcover in ex-library condition, a Doctor Who sonic screwdriver stand, so I can keep my sonic screwdrivers uh, organized here. A couple more hardcovers here, the Doctor Who and the Mutants and Doctor Who and the Planet of Evil, which are both ex-library copies. Now, my Planet of Evil, I've also added around the original dust jacket, the special dust jacket that Andrew Skilleter did that he signed. So it has all of that stuff. And finally, I found a Berwick Dalek playsuit plunger, the real deal to go with my Dalek playsuit. So now I have the dome, I have the suit, I have the original box, and I have a plunger. So I'm on the lookout for an eye stock and a gun. So hopefully those will appear uh, somewhere down the line. And uh, it's always nice to because get, getting that full costume would be a, a major uh, acquisition for me. So that is all for now. Stay tuned for future acquisitions. I'll do more talking about these items as we go forward with the, with the podcast. Of course, I also love talking with collectors. Some of my guests coming on the program will be collection uh, folks, people who collect and their stories, and I love hearing this stuff. So if you want to share your story with us, uh, and it's no problem. If you want to volunteer that, just contact me. You can just shoot me an email at doctorwhocollectorspodcast at gmail.com. So that's uh, one of the things there. Now, in today's show, this is an exciting show. Great way to kick off 2023. My highest ranking guest of all time. Uh, it's the As I like to call it, we are having on the show today the continuing legend of Morton Dill. You're all shaking your heads going, okay, wait, that's familiar, but I don't get it. Well, that should be a thing, but I am talking with Doctor Who legend, Peter Purvis. Uh, he plays Stephen Taylor on Doctor Who for 46 episodes, was traveling with William Hartnell, has some interesting things to say about William Hartnell, as a matter of fact, that goes against some of the things that were depicted about him. Uh, and you'll learn about the ult, one of the ultimate collectibles that he took from the set that he actually threw away because it was a superstition. You'll love that story. I'm not loving the fact that the collectible is gone, but you'll have to listen to the interview for that. Um, you know, he threw away a very important thing from Doctor Who. It would have been nice to have this um, in, in, our, in our lives. Maybe somebody did pull it out of his garbage bin and took it, but it was a long time ago, so who knows. Um, but anyway, stay tuned. That's going to be a really important uh, discussion. He's a wonderful guy. I, I met him at Chicago TARDIS a few years ago, and we worked out a way to get him on the program. As you know, we've been running a fundraiser, and we, we reached our goal of uh, being able to bring him on, because we need to take care of our Doctor Who stars. Absolutely. I also want to thank our patrons, those who keep us on the air. If you want to see exclusive material, including the video interview Interview of my interview here with Mr. Purvis. You can go to our Patreon page, subscribe at the $15 level or above, and uh, you can find that at patreon.com backslash Doctor Who Collectors Podcast, all one together there. And if you'd like to support us elsewhere, you can go to Podbean at doctorwhocollectors.podbean.com, click the Become a Patron button and support us at any level you feel comfortable, from a dollar to a million dollars. If you do a million dollars, we'll thank you very much, and I'll probably say this is our last episode. Just kidding. <laughs> our theme song, of course, is Who's Doctor Who, composed by Mary Mason and Les Reed, performed by another great star of Doctor Who, Fraser Hines. Uh, great guy. Uh, just talked with him quite a bit at Chicago TARDIS. Uh, he helped uh, get me uh, an item uh, into the collection here that he took from uh, that he brought over here. Now he didn't take it. He brought it over here from uh, David J. Howe, who helped me obtain it. Uh, so it's really, really uh, nice of him. He's such a great guy. He'll be very busy this year, of course, with the 60th anniversary. You can hear this podcast, by the way, uh, if you want to look at other episodes or if you're listening, if you're 
stumbling upon this um, somewhere else. Uh, we are on many podcast providers. You can also find us on YouTube. Um, we've got a channel there, Doctor Who Collectors Podcast, um, Odyssey, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Feedspot, Audible, Podbean, and of course Apple Podcasts. And as uh, Willie Geist says, wherever you get yours. Uh, you can also find us at the Direction Point Network at directionpoint.org. We're going to change our format a little bit for the new year here. We've we've discovered that we probably covered almost everything so far on collection protection. So we're going to temporarily um, put a hiatus on the collection protection for now. Uh, we do know that for all your protection needs, you just need to go to uh, bagsunlimited.com and they will take care of you for the most part. Um, we've covered cards. We've covered posters. We've covered uh, action figures. We've covered sonic screwdrivers. So I think we're going to go there. So um, what I'm going to do instead um, is we're going to talk about an item, new items that are added or, or something that, you know, is... Um, is unusual or needs more explanation, we'll kind of go into that. Of course, if you're a listener and you go, hey, I want to know how to protect something, shoot us an email, Podcast at gmail.com. We will do a segment. I will do it personally. I will do a segment to help address that question. So I'll be doing, of course, the most outrageous offer stays, and we've got a good one for you today. Um, so those are coming up after the short break. And then uh, after the break, my interview with Mr. Peter Purvis. Stay tuned. We are going on a journey, a very long journey, through the world of the Target novelizations and publication order. Every week, we are looking at a new book, talking about Terrace Dix, Malcolm Hulk, and all our Doctor Who novelization friends. Whatever you do, keep turning the pages. This is Jason Miller of the Doctor Who Literature Podcast, a member of the Direction Point Podcast Network, and you are listening to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. Keep collecting. Are you ready to travel through time with us? Then check out Traveling the Vortex, a Doctor Who podcast. For nearly seven years and more than 500 episodes, we've traveled from one end of the vortex to the other, making different stops with different doctors, Reviewing everything from TV stories to audio plays, from books to comics, and more. Sean, Keith, and Glenn take you on a journey through 50-plus years of Doctor Who episodes and spinoff materials. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts, so be sure to check us out. And now, we're a proud member of Direction Point, a Doctor Who podcast network. You're listening to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. Keep collecting. Hi, I'm Juliet. And I'm Nathan. Experience Doctor Who from the very beginning through a classic fan's eyes. And through the eyes of a new Who fan. Reminisce and relive those classic moments with Nathan as he offers fun insight. Or experience them for the first time with Juliet as she dwells on social issues, history, fashion, and the size of a flashlight. We're the Time Streams Podcast. Find us on Spotify, Stitcher, or Apple Podcasts. You're listening to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. Collecting. Up there is the scanner. Those are the doors. That is a chair with a panda on it. Sheer poetry, dear boy. Where did you say you found this, Vicky? Hmm? Just down there. I saw it as soon as I came out of the ship. Yes, it's a bit rusted, but uh, it's not as old as that. 10th, 11th century. Hmm. England. Well, there you are, young man. What do you think of that now, eh? A Viking helmet. Oh, uh, maybe. What do you mean, maybe? What do you think it is, a space helmet for a cow? Donk, mm. it could just as easily be part of a costume, you know, a toy left here by a child. Oh, rubbish, rubbish. No more so than your theory. Though your ship is, to say the least, a little unusual. Oh, I see. So you've changed your ideas now, If it you? is a time machine, I'm not saying it is, mind you, but if it is, shouldn't you know where we are? You know, your control panel? Yes, 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 but unfortunately we have a slight technical hitch at the moment. Excuse me. It's time for our main story, and my guest really needs no introduction, but he is a member of one of the first classes of Doctor Who Companions and traveled with the first Doctor. Let me repeat that for my listeners. The first Doctor. Uh, he also presented Blue Peter for 10 years and covered the Cruft's Dog Show for 41 years. Please welcome to the podcast, Mr. Peter Purvis. Welcome, Peter. Thank you, Larry. Welcome. 
Thank you so much. Uh, I met you a couple of years ago at Chicago TARDIS. I don't know if you remember that. Yes, uh, I remember. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Because I, I just remember our conversation led to the reconstruction of an episode called The Feast of Stephen from the Doctor Who, uh, from Dalek Master Plan, which you had never seen at that point. And I remember trying That's to find true. it. And I found it for you and sent it to you some years ago. I don't know if you ever got a chance to watch that or... Well, if not, something went wrong with the communications, because I never got it, oh, uh, I would have looked at it because I have never seen it. I mean, the, the Feast of Stephen as an event, as a, a, an episode of Doctor Who, doesn't exist. Correct. So whatever you sent me, I never saw it. I'm going to send it. I can't remember that I saw it. Okay, I will send it again to you because I, I I remember that uh, a, a place, uh, a uh, kind of a group of people called Loose Cannon put together what's called a telesnap recreation, and so they took. Right, uh, I never, I've never, se- I haven't seen that, and I oh, do know okay. Loose Cannon. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. they have it. I will. I have it bookmarked, so I will. I will forward that to you on Facebook. So that would be. Thank you very much. Oh, no problem. That would be great. I, oh, fantastic. Um, I want to start off with a recent project and a little plug here. Uh, recently, uh, Vinyl Who released uh, the Celestial Toymaker original yep. TV soundtrack with linking narration by I have you. It on my shelf up here. Uh, yeah, I ju- I just got it, and it's not. It kind of it kind of hasn't reached the United States officially yet. I get things a little bit ahead of time because yes, of what I, yeah. what I do. But uh, tell us about this project. Uh, how did you get uh, to do this? Well, I didn't have to do anything for it. If you if you remember, all oh. the original soundtracks exist of all the episodes I was in. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the visuals are missing for the majority of them. 17 yes. exist. Uh, the remainder of the 46 I did don't exist. So, I mean, it, it, I, I didn't have to do anything. They just reissued it. Um, I think they may well have also used. And I haven't listened to it. I've got. I'll keep. I'm keeping mine in pristine, original, <laughs> wrapped condition. I've got several of the, of the vinyls. I'm not listening to them. I don't. I, I know what's in them. Okay. Uh, I'm. I'm assuming that uh, the tracks that they are using uh, have the. Uh, the commentary that I did with uh, the wonderful Mark Ayres over here, uh, who created the audio collection. So all the episodes okay. of mine, the original soundtracks, have also an additional commentary from me covering all the visuals. And I suspect that that will be what's on that uh, vinyl. I, I wait to be advised differently, but I, I would think that that's there. Yeah. Well, I, I always get two, so I can open one and listen to it, and the other one is staying completely yeah. sealed. But uh, I'll let you know. <laughs> thank you. Because yes, I, I it, it, it happens to be, I, the Celestial Toymaker is one of my favorite stories, uh, and I've seen the one existing episode, and I've read the book, uh, and I, I think it's just a tremendous story, and it's it's really sad that the three episodes don't exist anymore, because... Uh, the one episode that does exist is really rather good. It's good fun. Yes, Yes, yeah. uh, it has it has you and and Jackie Lane, of course, going against um, I can't uh, Cyril, I believe. That's right, Cyril. You're trying to get through a, a an electrified uh, maze to get to the. That's right. That's the TARDIS. So and, and yeah, it's, it's a good story. That's a great story. Uh, and you're <laughs> you're great. You're great in it. Uh, it's uh, in fact that that whole um, that episode where you're wearing the striped shirt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, has been an iconic photo of you Loops. that yeah that looks yeah right. that um somebody even made an action figure of you on Etsy with that costume. Oh, I've got I've got there are a few of those. You got them. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so that that that's one of my favorite stories. Um I'm going to go back to to your first story uh for a moment. I know uh, many Doctor Who actors have expressed their opinions. Yeah, keep talking, Larry. Oh, sure. Keep talking. Uh many Doctor Who actors have expressed their opinions about working with the Daleks, and of course, your first story—you you jump right into that. So, yeah, yeah. How did how did it feel as as an actor working with Daleks? I, I thought they were rubbish. I mean, they're, they're, <laughs> they're, <laughs> so you, you shared the same the, thought. The, the, yeah. The, the, the point. The, what I do remember is that I saw the first episode where they ever appeared, mm-hmm. uh, and I watched that serial. And I remember watching the serial where they trailered the fact that the Daleks were coming again. And it was, it's quite a chilling moment. However, in the flesh, you've got half a Dalek 
with a guy sitting in there who wheels it around. And they're pretty cumbersome. They occupy a big chunk of the studio. The studio has to be designed in such a way to allow them to be able to move around together with the cameras and everything else. It was, don't forget, we did it in a continuous run. We recorded from beginning to end of each episode, no breaks, no official breaks. Uh, there were occasional times when we did have to stop for special effects, but basically it was done as live, and that was quite a challenge. So it was just a question of being precise with them. But, I mean, I enjoyed the fact that we had uh, uh, the wonderful Peter, oh, for goodness sake, James Cascon, you'll know, uh, yes, doing yeah. his voice, and David Graham. Peter uh, Hawkins. Doing those P Peter Hawkins. Peter Hawkins yeah. and uh, David Graham doing the voices. And they're just offset with a, a, a distort mic doing the Dalek voices. So, I mean, it's all, it's all a bit absurd. So as an actor, you just get on with it and do it. And what ends up on the screen is what you see. Now, you don't see any of the rehearsal and how it works. Mm -hmm. So it works. But to perform with it, it's just purely a functional operation. No fear, no terror uh, at all. Okay. Well, that's a, it's, it's interesting you, you had that feeling because... Um, and, and don't forget, yeah. I played I played Morton Dill first. Oh, I was getting and, to that, yeah. I, I, I'm the only person <laughs> to take the piss out of uh, out of the Daleks and not be exterminated. I mean, there's... Uh, <laughs> I, so I, why should I fear them? I, I, I found that to be the, one of the funniest quotes I read online was that Morton Dill, I think it was one of the, um, there was a list online of the cringeworthy moments in Doctor Who, and Morton Dill was number one and said that if anybody deserved to be exterminated, it was Morton Dill. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> I think my performance deserved a kinder comment. Than I do too. I do too. Because I, uh, when I. It's meant to be funny. It, it is. It's hilarious. And uh, I didn't get to see the William Hartnell stories until the early 90s when they came over to the United States. And I remember, um, you know, as somebody who has been I've been watching Doctor Who since the 70s and I've been following it very carefully. And I saw it for the first time and I go, you know, that looks a lot like uh, Peter Purvis playing that part. Of course, we didn't know at the time. And I'm like. And later, I'm like, oh, yeah, it was. Oh, that's great. Yeah, you know, and what, yeah, a, yeah. what a tremendous uh, change in character because you, you did Morton Dill one way. And, of course, in the at the end, Stephen Taylor, completely different. Um, yeah. And, kind and of, no, one seemed, you know, no one seemed to notice. You know, no one commented at the time. God, that's the same guy. That, yeah. Nothing, I mean, nothing. And, so and, they and, were different enough. And of course, the, the the cowboy hat was was iconic, and uh, that that photo still goes cool. around Doctor Who as far as you know. Hey, the the legend of Morton Dill. You know? <laughs> Maybe that, I think I think he deserved a series of his own. I think so too. <laughs> that that could be the next thing. The, the the continuing legend of Morton Dill coming to a theater near you. And I thought if if I'd realized that uh, I was auditioning for Stephen Taylor. Which I didn't realize. Right. But that performance was my audition piece. Yes. Uh, and I, I say I had no idea. Had I known, I suspect I would have done it very differently. Yeah, I think, you know, that's that's interesting, you know, because um, when, you know, of course, reading it happened, happened so long ago and I'm reading about it now saying that that was your, you know, that the director really loved that performance and thought this was going to be a a good thing for Steven Taylor. And Steven Taylor, of course, uh, goes on for 46 episodes of Doctor Who, which yeah. is really quite something. And of course, bringing him back 36 releases for Big Finish. Um, did you ever think that Steven Taylor would come again after the run ended in 66? Oh, no, no. I mean, in fact, I, I never really cared much about mm -hmm. Doctor Who after I left it. I mean, I watched occasional episodes, but I didn't realize it was still going to be important in my life now. Uh, and it was only re when I did the recordings with Mark Ayres mm -hmm. that I remembered a lot of what I'd done. Because, I mean, why would you? It was a job. Right, that was then. Right. Years had passed. No one had talk to me about it. I've been invited to a couple of conventions and hadn't gone. Eventually, when I went to one and found the response that I got for just being there, I was, I was, I mean, I was staggered. 
I thought, my yeah. word, this is, this is amazing. Well, I didn't yeah. expect that. Uh, I mean, I'm not particularly popular in America uh, because uh, <laughs> I, I've only been there a couple of times and mm -hmm. most of my episodes don't exist. And, I mean, I can remember talking to a, a very nice lady at a, a – I'm not sure it wasn't Chicago. It could well have been, but I, I suspect it was Baltimore um, – came up to me and said, I'm trying to get my son interested in the classics, but every time I put in a video and it's in black and white, she thinks the television's broken. <laughs> so, I mean, you're, you're on a loser, really, trying to sell these as an idea. <laughs> yeah, and 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 that's uh, and, and it's for 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 me personally. I started, you know, when I started watching Doctor Who, John Pertwee was my doctor back in the in the seventies, mm -hmm. and I understand he was a good friend of yours too. Yes, um, I knew John very well. So, uh, and I got to meet John in nineteen eighty four uh, when he came to Chicago. And I remember um, the the second year I did a Doctor Who convention, I looked through that big list of people. They they brought over twenty actors. Uh, unfortunately, you were not one of them. Maybe you were invited and said no back in the. No, 80s. I wasn't. You I wasn't invited. invited. I, I think the first time I came to Chicago was I. The, it was about two thousand four, something okay. like that. So that would have been uh, Visions or Chicago Tardis uh, in two thousand. It was Chicago Tardis, I think. Yeah, I might have been Visions. I, I don't know. I mean, uh, it, it could be. Yeah. yeah, and it's uh, and I thought it would have been nice because even even uh, my feeling in '85 is like, wow, we're missing Stephen Taylor, we're missing you know Vicky, we're missing this. You know, it'd be great to have you know we had Patrick Troughton and all those folks there, and I thought it would be nice to have more of the first Doctor because they didn't have very many people from that yes. era. Interestingly, I'm doing a convention over here in in the UK. It's a one day event only, mm -hmm. uh, but there's Colin Baker, who of course is the sixth Doctor. Yes, uh, there's Sylvester McCoy. And there's me, and there's Maureen, and there's Caroline Ford for a start, as well. So the first Doctor is well represented. So it's it. I keep on being asked here, and it's very nice, and I do enjoy them. Oh, that's great. That's great. Um, and speaking of uh, the first Doctor, what what was your working relationship with William Hartnell like? Oh, I, I loved working with him. I mean, it's. Uh, he really was responsible for me getting the part mm. uh, because he was he was very concerned that uh, Jackie and Russ were leaving uh, and they'd been with the shows from the very start and he was he was really concerned and unhappy about that the third day of the rehearsal for uh, the third uh, for my Martin Dill piece mm -hmm. uh, and I'd got on terribly well with him and everybody on the cast us and with the director Richard Martin, we we we, we just hit it off. We, we got on well, um, and they they liked the humour I tried to inject into Morton Dill. Whether or not it was any good or not, I, I don't care. Right, that was right. then, but I did my best, and I got on really well with them. And Maureen O'Brien went up to Bill on that Wednesday and said. Bill, I know you're worried that Jackie and Russ are going in three weeks, still not got a replacement. What about what about this boy? And she said that it was like a weight came off his shoulders because he's he had been worrying about it seriously for, for some weeks. And they hadn't got a replacement. And so he went to Verity Lambert, the producer, mm -hmm. and said, take a look at this boy. And they did. They watched me on my uh, performance my the, the rehearsal performance on Thursday, went into the studio on the Friday, watched me carefully, presumably, uh, saw how I operated live, virtually as live, on the performance which was recorded and immediately offered me the job. So, I mean, it was, wow. it, it was down to Bill. So he obviously liked me. So I obviously found my response to that was that I like him. I got on extremely well with him. And he was generous in his performance with me. He liked the things that I did. He occasionally took me on one side and said, that gesture's too big. Oh, you're doing... He said, television's very small. Keep keep, keep, keep your hands near your face. And I was doing big stuff. Right. And, and he said, no, no, that, just be careful of that. Nice little bits of advice, which I've never forgotten. And I, I normally... Uh, we'll try and put them into practice, whatever I'm doing. So I got on with him extremely well. Thoroughly enjoyed working with him. Uh, he used to forget his lines. Maureen O'Brien and I used to stand around at times waiting for him to get back on script because the tape didn't stop, even if he was getting it wrong. Right. Um, and so, you know, it wasn't easy, 
but he was good fun. He had a great sense of humour, which most people seem to not realise. He really had a good sense of humour. And when he's doing little bits of comedy in some of the episodes that remain, mm -hmm. I think you can tell that he is a good comedian. Yeah, I was going to mention, because uh, um, in my this segment of my podcast, I introduce with an audio clip. And that audio clip is a clip of William Hartnell saying... Those are the doors. Up there is the scanner. That is a chair with a panda that's on it. And <laughs> and that is to you. And I thought, what? I, and that's going to introduce this segment. And I thought that was one of my favorite lines. My other favorite line is in the Time Meddler when he picks up the Viking helmet and says, what do you think this is, a space helmet for a cow? <laughs> and I still think that is the funniest stuff I've seen on Doctor Who. Uh, and, and I've watched all of them. And I thought, well, that's a great line. And I still remember it. Absolutely. Now. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, there are some involuntary ones. Like, uh, uh, I prefer work. I, I prefer walking to any day than climbing. What? <laughs> I mean, it, it's not hundred percent. I think I'm. A, I think I missed a word out in it. But he, he, he just often would get things wrong, and he fluffed lines, which made on set you 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 had to suppress the chuckle. But yeah, uh, that was yeah. That was just Bill, and uh, to me, it added something. When when I've done the big finish things, I've mm -hmm. tried to. I don't do the mistakes. We don't create fluffs, mm -hmm. but we do collect. We do when I perform it. I do put bits of hesitation in, which are which are were there really because Bill wasn't sure what the words were coming up. Okay, um, and then of course I've, I've always in my in my own mind I know uh, Stephen Taylor of course stays in the episode The Savages, yeah, uh, and I thought that the War Machines would have been a slightly better story if Stephen had continued one more episode, and possibly stayed on twentieth century Earth with uh, Dodo Chaplet, and if that were the case, then you'd be on the power of the Doctor. <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> yes, uh, I mean. I it well, I, I it was out of my control. Right. I mean, Lloyd just came in as the new producer, and uh, right. as I was handed the scripts of the uh, the savages, he took me on one side and he said, "By the way, Peter, I thought I'd better tell you at the end of this serial, we're not renewing your contract." Yeah, that's and uh, of course I know that happened. Uh, and it happened. That's showbiz. It's showbiz. It happened to Jackie Lane in the middle of the War Machines. Yeah, uh, and, and she didn't even get a proper exit. No, she she was basically taken off of the country, and then there's a letter. It says I'm staying, and yeah. it was yeah. it, it was yeah. genuine. And I could tell with William Hartnell's performance, even on on the on the War Machine, saying he was very upset to get that, and and that his, well, and he didn't see the writing on the wall that he was going next. Right, right. And and speaking of, of that whole thing too, the, um, the movie An Adventure in Time and Space, of course, yeah. was made, and. One of the uh, things about that movie is that there was an actor portraying you in that movie. Well, very, probably for about two four, seconds, four and a half seconds. Oh, uh, thank you. Well, four and a half longer seconds. than I thought. Wow. Uh, yes, he's his name <laughs> I is. No Ed, idea who it was. It was Edmund C. Short. Is oh, the good. actor. He, he and, obviously did a great performance. And really uh, the only uh, the only part of that is the photographer yelling. Uh, uh, Mr. Purvis, Miss Lane, over here, and then of course they fade off in the back, and then it's back to uh, David yeah. Bradley and yeah. and all yeah. that. But I thought interesting they they brought in, but uh, but you weren't uh, there for any of the movie, were you? Not invited. Not invited. I was. I, uh, I was asked Mark Gates, who wrote it. Uh, I was uh, I was invited by him to have uh, dinner with him or lunch. I think it was dinner we had. Um, in a rather nice restaurant in London, and he picked my brains on certain elements about Bill. Uh, I didn't see much evidence of what I'd said on the script, oh. but it doesn't really matter. Um, it was an interesting piece. Yes, I think yes. it got the atmosphere of the show right. Um, it didn't get Bill totally right. Mm -hmm. He had far more, uh, much, he had a, a sense of humor which didn't come over in that at all. We, we talked about that earlier. Uh, and he just came over as a grumpy old man, which I, wasn't right. But the right. impression, the overall impression of him mm -hmm. was excellent by David Bradley. I think he did a very good job. Uh, and you only can do what you what you've got. In front of you, you can only perform the script that you're given, uh, and he wouldn't have been allowed to change it. So, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, um, 
it, it was a, it was a pretty good impression, but it wasn't right. Okay, that's fair. I mean, and of course, uh, you were there, so you can you can speak to that. Um, uh, and of course, uh, since uh, you know I do the Doctor Who collecting uh, on my podcast, I got to ask, uh, what are some of the? Do you have any Doctor Who collectibles that no one else would have because you were on the show? I would have had it one time, but I threw it away. Oh, okay, <laughs> I kept the. Uh, uh, the the trilogic game from the Celestial oh, wow. Toymaker, uh, which I the, I asked the designer if I could keep because it was a lovely piece of kit. Yeah, uh, and it was very very pretty. It was it was it was blue. Yeah. The letters were in uh, were white on black discs, hmm. um, and it was just such a good shape. And I had that, and it sat in the corner of my living room, and I used to do it. I mean, I could, I could do the trilogic game and wow. complete it, because you mustn't make a mistake. So right. I could do that. It wasn't all that many moves, to be quite honest. It's only 10 pieces you've got to move. So it, it, the, uh, the, 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 because very few people would ever attempt it or get anywhere near the thing, the yeah. script suggests that it's thousands of moves. It wasn't, but at okay. least you have to get it right. Um but I decided after 18 months of not getting very much work, in fact, getting virtually no work, mm -hmm. I was driving trucks, I was doing all wow. sorts of things uh, to uh, earn a book. And so I, in the end, I, 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 oh, that's right, I got in sequence, I got a letter from my agent saying, Peter, we can't do anything. We've been trying and trying and trying. We can't move your career on. We think it would help if you've got another agent. So I was being fired by my agent. Oh, man. Uh, I had no work. And I thought, that bloody game, there's something about it that I shouldn't um, have. It's, it's, there's something that's it's, it's bad luck. And I picked it up and I took it down into the basement of the block of flats that I lived in. And I threw it in the bin. Wow. The following day, and I mean the following day, I got a letter from the agent. I, I got a phone call from the agents who'd written to me saying, look, we're not going to handle this for you because um, we're going to stick by what we put in our last letter. But we've had an, uh, an inquiry from a program called Blue Peter who would like to mm. see you. Uh, so here's the telephone number if you want to follow it up. There you go. So I did. Long story short, I got the job. Yes. So whether or not it was anything to do with the Trilogic game, I don't know. But that's a true sequence. So I, people I, can make what they want of it. Deep down, I honestly don't think it had anything to do with it. But at the time, I did. Right, right. Oh, no. Thought, there was something mystical about pyramids at that time. You know, you could put yes. someone had produced um, a little carton, which was in the shape of a pyramid, which you could open up. You could put a razor blade in it, close it down, and within a day, the razor blade was sharp. Wow! Oh gosh! Fact. So they're rather mystical. These yeah. these shapes. You know, and maybe that's why the pharaohs had them made way back in Egypt. That uh, you know, might be nonsense. Might not be. But anyway, I felt there's something mystical about this game, and it's a pyramid, pure pyramid. It's going, and I threw it. If I'd kept it, that might have been worth something. Now, I think you probably could have easily retired on the cost of what that game would have been, because original props from the '60s. And I have a friend yeah. who's got who's got the Trojan horse from the Mythmakers. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, you know, you probably know David. What J. did he pay for it? Uh, David? No, he didn't. He, uh, hmm. da uh, David J. Howe. I don't know if you know him. Uh, oh, yes, yeah, yes. yeah, he he has it. <laughs> yeah, he's a writer. He's lovely. I like yeah. David. David yeah, he, yeah, 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 he's yeah, a, yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. a good friend. And uh, he, t I asked him what his most valuable collectible was, and he said it was the Trojan horse. He just yeah. went to the the designer had it in his garage, and yeah. so uh, he said, "Oh, you want this? It's just a it's just a eight ten yeah, inch yeah, prop." Yeah. And I said, "Well, yeah. yeah, of course." And I said, "The Trilogic game probably would have fetched thousands uh, today." Wow. And uh, that's that's something uh, I will say, though, I do uh, as a as a collecting person, I get emails from people asking, do you know about any Stephen Taylor or Peter Purvis related um, items? And I said, well, I found two items that are actually the most sought after uh, with your picture on it. The first is a cover of Radio Times from October 17th, 1968. Uh, you were on uh, the cover of Radio Times with your guide dogs. Oh right! Yes, yes. Yeah. It's a color color photo. That was when I was in Blue Peter. Yes, it was a Blue Peter. Yeah. And yeah. the other the other item is a Blue Peter. Uh, the Blue Peter and the Book of Guide Dogs. 
that oh, came really? out. Yeah, those are still well, the little ones. Only a, yeah, the little, little books. books. Little yeah, they're, books. they're they're selling for sixty dollars each now. Wow. Um, and yeah. so those are the two items uh, that uh, that people keep asking me if I've seen. I've seen the little books, the Radio Times, not so much, but yeah. uh, but people do. Uh, there are people that are after. Um, you know, that do collect specifically things with yeah. uh, different actors and things like that. And I, 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 haven't, I haven't got anything. I, I, I've never been a collector. I don't collect anything. Yeah. So my wife did for a while, but not my things. Okay. I never collected anything. Well, that's all right. I, I have to ask. But uh, uh, one other thing I wanted to ask you about, too, is uh, most recently they did uh, animate a story called Galaxy 4. Yeah. Um, which, uh, and I thought, what? How did you feel about your depiction as an animated oh, it's character? It's all right. I mean, it's it's, it's a very uh, it's a very basic cartoon. Yes. Um, uh, it uses the original soundtrack, so it's genuine. Uh, we, we had a big launch of it here at the uh, British Film Institute on the South Bank in London, oh. and I went to that and I gave a talk afterwards, and uh, I signed a lot of a lot of autographs that day. And uh, yeah, it's, it's it it was and, and that was shown. The whole thing, all four episodes, and people like Gary Russell who'd made it. I mean, he was there. It was it was a, a good gathering. Um, I thought it was rather good. Yes, better yeah. than nothing. Let's put it that way. Don't forget, episode one episode exists. No, it doesn't. Yes, uh, episode three, I think. Exists. Episode three exists. That's right. Yes. And that was found, I think, about six years ago. Yes, something like that. Yes, I remember um, I saw it when it came out. And, of course, that has one of the most uh, thrilling cliffhangers of you in the airlock when they yeah. turn off the air. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. With the with Normally the drop-ins. it kills people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. They, they, yeah. It was, and that's a great story. I've read the book. I've, I've seen the story. It's, it's, a, yeah. it's a great no, it's, it, it's It works. Um, I didn't like it. Um, I'm not talking about the, uh, the, the animation. I didn't like the, the show at the time because it was my second serial, and Stephen's character didn't... Only what I could inject in it by being there mm -hmm. was anything to do with Stephen. The script had nothing to do with him or what he was capable of or who he was, because originally it was written for Jackie Russell oh, as, okay. uh, as her... Uh, 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 she was the main person for it. And the writer, William Ems, and I didn't know this mm -hmm. uh, at the time, had not been told that Jackie and Russ were leaving. So he had to an wow. adapt a script which had been accepted for Stephen. So I, I had to play whatever Russ and Jackie had to say became Stephen's lines. Interesting. And it wasn't his character. It wasn't what he did. It wasn't how he played. I was furious. Oh. I took it out on the producer. I said, this is ridiculous. I said, where's my character? There's not... I mean, I don't... I mean, I was new on the show, and so it was a bit arrogant of me, but I was really upset. Um, it, I, I consequently never made it up with John Wiles, who was the producer. But it was... Um, I didn't like the storyline. I didn't like the way it worked for Stephen. Okay. It's okay, but knowing the background to it, I was really very upset at the time. Um, anyway, it came good. Uh, I played quite heroic parts after that, and great one in the Myth Makers, also yes. in the the Massacre, which was virtually led by him. And and of course, we talked about the Celestial Toy Maker that was led by me and Dodo because yes. uh, there was no, uh, you know, Bill was a, a disembodied hand. He, right. was, he was on holiday whilst yeah. uh, whilst we were doing the show. <laughs> he, he was having a kip. <laughs> so, so uh, I've, 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 uh, I'm running out of time, but I wanted to ask uh, in your in your career, especially from Blue Peter and doing the dog shows, any great stories from doing the dog shows? Not really, because they were live, and you had to you, everything you did was absolute. You had to be on the button. Uh, okay, you didn't want to make mistakes. Uh, I, there, there was a wonderful period when I was doing that, where uh, we had a guy over here called Frank Kane. Who present? He, he commentated with me. I was presenting it with a, a, a wonderful lady called Dr. Jessica Holm, and we had an American commentator who came over who worked for Animal Planet, 
And so we made stock for Animal Planet from Crofts, and that was that was a great time. And funnily enough, only yesterday I replied to a tweet from Wayne. Uh, he's called Wayne Kavanagh, by the way, and I think mm-hmm. he's uh, he's the president of the American Kennel Club. Or there are two kennel clubs in America. And I'm not sure which one he is the okay. boss. Of. Uh, he's an absolutely lovely, wonderful guy. I like him immensely. And I was just saying, wouldn't it be great for us all to meet up again? And the director, who used to direct Crufts at the time, he's tweeted back saying, that's a dinner party I'll join any time. <laughs> I mean, we had a great time. But it's not a time when there were stories of extraordinary things happening. I mean, okay. the, the, the worst that happens is a dog, it's just won the best in show, and it goes into the corner of the ring where it has a crap on the ceremonial run run. <laughs> So, I mean, it's, it's hardly impressive. But, right. uh, yeah, there were, there were one or two funny things where dogs did strange things, but not worth me wasting time telling you gotcha. the details. But they, they happen, obviously. Okay. Dogs do strange things. <laughs> well, I've, got, I've got time for one more question, and I think uh, this is a good one, too, for you. Uh, have you had the opportunity to give advice to younger Doctor Who actors since you were somebody from the veteran era? Any Did any of them come to you to say, hey, how can I do this? Or um, No. no? No, no, no one's asked. And what, what, what can I say? The, yeah. the important thing is you play yourself. You, you play. Yeah. What this is? This is the main structure you've got. Mm-hmm. All right, you can put an accent on, and and it gets laughed at, like I did with Morton Dill. But I mean, I was playing something outrageous, and I was meaning to do something right. outrageous. When I played Stephen, I tried to play it pretty much like me. I don't think I was much different from how I am talking to you now. Right. Uh, okay. And okay. so the the thing, any advice I would give to anybody who's acting is don't act. It's that thing. You can tell when people are putting it on when it's not real. Right. And I learned that, of course, being a television presenter, because once you're there where you have to be yourself, they can see if you're telling it wrong. So I've got a challenge coming up because I, I'm playing. I've just been uh, cast in the lead in a television pilot for a series. It's oh not wow! Science, not science fiction. It's great. I'm, play, I'm playing an old guy. I'm playing a guy of at least my. Well, he's he's probably a bit younger than me, but uh, I, 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 he's he's got dementia, and okay. that's a real challenge for me. But he won't be anything. He'll only be me with dementia. It won't be some character that I invent who does weird things. I This is going to be real. This is going to be true. And so it's a challenge for me, which I'm really looking forward to. I mean, um, I love acting. Yeah, that's I mean, where I started. I'm looking forward to that, too. I hope that series comes to BritBox here in the United States. Well, if it ever does. We haven't sold it yet. But right. It's called Henry House. Henry House. Well, that's that's yeah. great. I'll I'll be sure to look for it in any way. Um, anyway, well, in I, fact, you can you can you can have a look on something called Rocking Horse Media. Okay, it's in the UK. Rocking Horse Media and their project, and okay. it'll tell you all about Henry House and who's in it. Sounds good, Peter Purvis. <laughs> thank you so much for being on the Doctor Who Collectors podcast today. Um, and of course, uh, as as uh, my listeners know, we've been raising money to bring you here. And so I want to thank our anonymous donor who basically brought us over the top, and Mr. Melvin Pena who donated uh, to our cause. So we want to thank them. Thank for... you very much. Thank you to them. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Larry. You too, Peter. Uh, listeners, stay tuned for the most outrageous offer. Hello, fellow time travelers, and welcome to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the only podcast to discuss, in story order, all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whit, and every two weeks or so, I'm joined by a two- to three-person discussion panel, including our so-called expert, who's been a Who fan since 1979. That would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including Dalton Hughes and Alison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitchers, or wherever you find good podcasts, or even ones like ours. You're listening to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast on the Direction Point Podcast Network. Keep collecting! You are invited on an adventure across all of time and space, in a completely random order. It's the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. 
Jump in the TARDIS with your hosts, Eric Gobranson, Asad Cheshki, and Matthew Kressel. Explore Doctor Who TV stories, audio adventures, and books, both novels and non-fiction. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. It's the entire Hooniverse. On Shuffle, the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a member of the Direction Point Network and is available about once a month wherever you find your podcasts. You are listening to the Doctor Who Collectors podcast. Keep collecting. Hi, I'm Rupert Booth. I am known as Paul Ferry. And my name is Barry Williams. Together, we host Time Ram. Time Ram's a cruel mistress. It's a random number generator. That also. We roll a number from 1 to 13, and that's our doctor. Then 1 to 300 for the story, and then we ram them together. Even if it doesn't make sense. Cruel, I tell you. Time round. Putting the wrong doctors in the wrong stories, so you don't have to. You're listening to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. My travelings throughout the universe, I have battled against evil, against power mad conspirators. I should have stayed here. The oldest civilization, decadent, degenerate, and rotten to the core. Power mad conspirators, Daleks, Tarans, Cybermen. They're still in the nursery compared to us. Ten million years of absolute power. That's what it takes to be really corrupt. Corruption is in the air, and it's 2023, uh, time for the most outrageous offer. So when you hear uh, Colin Baker ranting at the Time Lords, it's time to you know take people to task over these high, outrageous prices on Doctor Who items, especially when you can get them cheaper. And, um, you know, it's not about, not quite the same rant I have about sellers in the UK who refuse to sell to the US or, or specific um, things that they will only sell in the UK if you go to their uh, specific little things to get their, you know, special items and they won't send them here. That's, um, that's a different story for another day. But anyway, uh, today we're going to talk about an item that um, has been out for a while. It's the Doctor Who Evil of the Daleks limited four uh, vinyl Scarrow Swirl LP box set. Uh, I have two of these in my collection. I have one that's still in the manufacturer's box, so I've, I've even gone that far. Um, and I've got a seller here on eBay. Uh, this is a buy it now, so it should still be there. Uh, the person has a 12.98 rating, 100% positive feedback. Uh, we uh, we look at here; it's about eighty dollars shipping to the United States, uh, so it's from the UK. Uh, but uh, let's see; it's lo- located in Puckridge, United Kingdom. All right, so in in U.S. dollars, I'm going to do both prices here. So they're asking for one thousand seventy nine dollars and seventy five cents in U.S. or nine hundred twenty pounds twenty seven. So uh, it's a bit outrageous. It's a bit crazy. Uh, it says here, brand new, unused item, unopened, and damaged. Okay, that's fine. It's brand new. It's a box set. It's a collector's edition. Yes, that usually is the kiss of death for collectors. But no, this is a limited edition. It really is. But is it worth $1,000? Uh, no, it's not. Um, a little bit of research uh, showed me that you can still get this on Amazon.com. <laughs> um, and not the UK. You can get it on Amazon US here. The Amazon.com, Evil of the Daleks original BBC Deluxe Edition, uh, limited color vinyl box set import, uh, $116.96, brand new. Uh, plenty of them to be had. Free delivery, and you can get it very quick. Uh, so, all right. So there you go. You can buy 10 of these and then sell them for 1000 No, don't do that. Um, don't pay $1,000 for this. You can pay, you know, $116.96 is reasonable. That's about, I think, what I paid for it new myself because it, it's a great item. It, it's, there's, a, there's a little bit of an import fee, but that's about it. I mean, you can get the Dalek Master Plan original TV soundtrack for $125. Um, or, you know, it's just really crazy that you know somebody's going to go that far um to to sell an item and we're going to be delving into this a lot more 
uh, with a lot more detail uh, this uh, this year because uh, this is crazy. This whole price gouging nonsense, um, especially since um, I know that there's global inflation, but inflation doesn't affect collectibles. It might affect the shipping cost a little bit, but there's no reason to raise the price on something like this because it's not a consumable item. It's not something that's generated from the economy. Um, they might be, you know, it's a, if a new item is not you know, generated as part of that, that might affect that. But if something that's already been out for a few years, give me a break. Um, I'm going to try to educate you as much as I can, because I, I look for the lowest offer, if I can find it. You know, that's, that's just important to me, um, that you don't part with your hard earned money for something like this. So that's crazy. So I will have the link to this item if it's uh, hopefully it's still available. I have the link. Sometimes the links go dead after I, after I put this out there and somebody emails them and says, really, hey, this was on the most outrageous offer. They don't know. They don't care. They're not listeners. They're probably not Doctor Who fans. Maybe they are. I don't know. Um, anyway, this person does have 100% positive feedback. So I don't know. Maybe he's just uninformed. I don't know. But that's that. So the Evil of the Daleks uh, vinyl box set, you can get it on Amazon for about $117 with uh, free shipping, or you can get it from this guy for 1000 So I think that's a no-brainer. And that concludes the Doctor Who Collectors podcast for this episode. I'm very, very thankful to my guest today, Mr. Peter Purvis, a great actor, a good friend, and someone who uh, played Stephen Taylor uh, on uh, Doctor Who. He uh, had some great appearances in the Celestial Toymaker and the, you know, the Massacre and the Gunfighters. So some really cool stuff there. Um, you can also... Uh, uh, find he's got a new show coming out. You heard him talk about Henry House. Uh, we're hoping that that reaches the United States. Our next episode, of course, is we're back to the classic hardcovers of 1981. Uh, my good friend Tony Witt will be on hand for that, and we'll talk about what affected the hardcover releases of that year. It was a very slim year. There was a writer's strike. Oh, lots of stuff going on there. Uh, so anyway, stay tuned for that, uh, and we'll catch you next time. In the meantime, keep collecting. Direction Point! Direction Point! A Doctor Who Podcast Network.